AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hey, everybody. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast presented by Reality Sports Online. My name is Kyle Yates, and I am your host. I am joined, as always, by Ray Garvin. Ray, how's it going, man? I am doing well, Yates. How are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing good. I got to be honest with everyone, though. I am about six hours away from seven hours away from getting up and heading to Cancun. So literally leaving at like four o'clock in the morning to drive to the airport. So I am finding that balance of like, all right, I got to be present. I got to get the energy. We got to talk dynasty. Of course I got to have the energy, but yet also like I'm about to get out of this, like two feet of snow that I'm in again (laughs) to hit the 85 degree weather. So if, uh, if you see me just kind of like if, if I start to trail off, man, you just yell at me. Feel free to yell at me, okay? Listen, no one's going to blame you if I'm talking and you're gazing off into like a beautiful just oasis and beautiful <laughs> weather. Like people are going to forgive you, Yates, but don't worry. I got the gas with me tonight. We're going to be all right. We're going to get through this, brother. Hey, you always got that. So I can always count on you to bring some energy. Uh, you can find Ray on Twitter at RayGQ. That's Q-U-E. And I can be found on Twitter as well at KyleYNFL. We're going to take a look at some news items that have broke over the past couple of days since we did our last uh, episode. And then we've got a little bit of a dynasty, dynasty strategy that we're going to dive in depth into and talk through. And then we're going to talk through our dynasty quarterback rankings, taking a look at our top 15 quarterbacks in our dynasty rankings. Uh, However, I did want to mention this before we get into the main part of the show. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're a loyal follower of Fantasy Pros and you know about our draft simulator. It's a fun way to do realistic mock drafts in as little as 15, 10, or even five minutes. Well, MVP and Hall of Fame members can also use our draft simulator for dynasty startup mocks or rookie mocks as well. I just went in and did a rookie mock the other day It was done in five minutes. It was awesome. Uh, If you're not already an MVP or Hall of Fame member, then upgrade today at fantasypros.com slash premium and start prepping to win your dynasty league. You can find our draft simulator over at fantasypros.com slash simulator. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash simulator. All right, Ray, there's a couple of news items. These aren't major things. Not a whole lot's happening here, but... A couple of Eagles wide receivers were released or at least expected to be released. Alshon Jeffrey, we all kind of saw this one coming, is expected to be released by the Eagles once the league year starts. And then Deshaun Jackson as well. Both of these guys. Now you're looking at a wide receiver room of Jalen Rager. You still got J.J. Ortega-Whiteside there. Uh, Greg Ward. (laughs) I mean, they got to bring in someone. Yeah, it's coming, man. And I've got a feeling that all the Eagles fans who were upset that they drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson just may land their LSU Tiger here in 2021. There we go. Uh, Additionally, Kenny Galladay, reportedly a strong franchise tag candidate, 
by Detroit. Now, Detroit's heading into a multi-year rebuild. So if anything, I would think this leads to a tag and trade type of scenario. I doubt that they are going to try to keep Kenny Galladay or that even that Kenny Galladay wants to be there, right? He's a wide receiver hitting, you know, his first contract, big contract. He wants to uh, he wants to pay in. He wants to to make it big. So for Kenny Galladay, I expect him to be at least a tag and trade candidate, if not hitting the open market. And then uh, again, big breaking news. Miami is unlikely to bring back Matt Burita. It looks like they're going to roll into next <laughs> season with Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, and maybe we see them at a running back out of Alabama. We'll see. All right. So Ray, when we sat down and we did our first episode, we talked about we want to hit a wide range of audiences, right? Where we want to talk to the people who have never done dynasty before. They have no idea what that entails. And I feel like we did a really good job of that in the first episode. So if you are in that camp and you have not listened to the first episode, pause this, go back and listen to that. We break it down pretty in depth there, but we also wanted to talk to everyone who has been playing dynasty for several years and they may just be looking for to garner some more advice to hear some other perspectives and stuff like that. So there's a strategy that you have that you wanted to talk through here. And I want to just throw this to you and let you break it down and explain it. It's called the productive struggle approach. So let's talk to you or talk to the people here and say like, what is it? What is it at its core? Who, who came up with it? Let's break it down here for the people. Yeah, so I, I do not want anybody to get upset with me. So if I if I if I'm wrong with who came up with it, then I apologize sincerely. But the first person or the first people I ever saw talking about this when I joined the Dynasty Space were Ryan McDowell from DLF and Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points. And what the productive struggle essentially is is you are I, I don't want to say tanking, but you are foregoing any type of competition your first year or two in dynasty leagues because while your league mates are drafting veterans to try to win the championship in that year that you got start in the inception year you are selecting nothing nothing but rookies and second year players knowing good and well you're probably not going to compete you're probably not going to make the playoff but if everything breaks correctly and you land the correct rookies and, you know, your team is bad enough that you get a high draft picks in the next year's rookie class, by year two or three, you should have a pretty dominant team on your hands that can compete for titles for the foreseeable future. So that's why it's the productive struggle. You are struggling the first year. You may be struggling the second year, but by the time year two, year three rolls around, you should be sitting pretty and you should have a dominant, dominant roster on your hands. So it sounds great in theory, right? And I think that it definitely can pay off if you have the patience, right? Now, a lot of people, myself included, uh, <laughs> might not be the most patient there to to wait it out, right? So looking at the other side, like what are some of the not pitfalls, but what are some of the negatives that can happen with this type of approach? Does anything come to your mind there? Well, absolutely. You can draft the wrong rookies. <laughs> you right. can draft the wrong rookies or the rookies that you invest in don't hit, they don't fire, and now you're stuck with a very, very bad team with no hopes of getting better, right? And, you know, Yates, you and I are actually in a league together where I actually implemented this strategy. And it's funny because I vividly remember some of the draft selections I was making during the startup and people laughed and thought I was crazy and was just like, Ray, what are you doing? You are, you are ruining your team. And as I look at that roster right now, Kyle, I am probably going to be pretty formidable here already in year two. And it is littered with some high end rookies and already some high end dynasty assets. And I'll just tell you what, it's probably my favorite of all the dynasty leagues that I'm a part of. It's probably my most favorite roster that I have. Yeah. And I think that we talked about that in the first episode, like you play dynasty to have fun. So if this is something that you think is going to bring you joy or whatever, that you're going to have fun with this type of approach, then go for it. Like, but again, you need to be realistic and have that expectation that you're not going to be good the first year, maybe not even the second year. So if you have the patience, if you have the money to be able to just throw away as right. far as league dues and stuff like that, then that is a fine approach. But as far as balancing it with other types of approaches, right? Cause that's something that we wanted to talk about too. I think 
and and a question that came up as I was listening to you talk about this, like as you are sitting there and you're going into the draft, the startup draft with the perspective of I'm only taking rookies and second year players. Are you just completely like reaching for these players? You know, if you're sitting there in a round uh, and you're looking at the ADP around the board and it's all, you know, third year players and up like that, are you just completely reaching on ADP and saying <sighs> 20 picks off? I'm grabbing this guy because it fits this strategy. Or at some point, do you play the value game? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I, I do think that, you know, I, I selected Joe Burrow ninth overall in the first round. And I do think at that moment it was a reach. But as I look at where I have Joe Burrow ranked in my dynasty quarterback rankings, where I have some of these other players ranked, uh, it it looked like a reach then. But now, you know, getting Justin Herbert like in the ninth round, I mean, that would never, ever happen again. Like the, 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 right, we talked right. about this a couple of shows ago. The cheapest place that you get rookies are in your rookie drafts or, you know, in a fresh startup drafts. And you asked a really good question. I don't think I hit on it well enough. What are some of the pitfalls? The pitfalls are you get an owner who implements the strategy, who drafts the wrong rookies, and then he leaves the league. And then you're trying to find a replacement for a team that nobody wants to be a part of. And I do think you have to be careful uh, when, you know, it's just that is probably the biggest pitfall is is uh, an owner, a dynasty manager drafting a really, really bad team and then walking away from that team after year one. And then you're trying to find a replacement and it just kind of throws off the vibe of the league. But as far as reaching and value, I do think there were a couple of times where I did extend myself maybe a round or two as far as ADP. But again, when I'm looking at what I have right now, I, I just it, it's literally my my favorite roster that I've constructed in Dynasty. Yeah. And you said, you know, you've got to hit on those rookies. Well, you have to know the rookies that you're going to be selecting. Don't just walk into your startup draft and say like, well, I don't know who this player is, but they're the highest ranked (laughs) rookie on this, you know, whoever's site, like really take the time to get to know these rookies and what they can be. And that's what we're here for. Ray and I will be breaking down these rookies in depth as we move throughout draft season to make sure that if you do want to implement the productive struggle approach in your strategy, in your draft, you're well-equipped to do so. So let's take a look. You mentioned that you took Joe Burrow there at the end of the first round. It may have been a reach, but now he's sitting pretty in dynasty quarterback rankings. So let's move into this conversation. Let's just take some time. I don't know how long this conversation is going to be, but I think that we can spend a lot of time here talking about quarterback rankings. And we're going to start, Ray, and do a countdown style, but we're going to start at 15 and talk our way through 10. And then we'll do that in a block. We'll talk about those players. I'm sure that our rankings are going to be very different uh, towards the top. I'm sure that we'll have some consensus (laughs) names, but the placement of these guys is going to be drastically different. So let's take a look at your rankings here, 15 through 10. Just walk us down from 15 to 10 and let's see who you got there. All right. At 15, I have Ryan Tannehill. Uh, quarterback Tennessee. Do I? I think we all know what. Yeah, teams I think they play I think for. we're good. Okay. The rookies. I think we break down yes. their school or where you know. But yeah, we got Ryan Tannehill at fifteen, Tua Tagovailoa at fourteen, Matthew Stafford at thirteen, Baker Mayfield at twelve, Jalen Hurts at eleven, and Aaron Rodgers at ten. Okay, perfect. So a lot of my names overlap in there too. Uh, I've got Baker Mayfield at fifteen. I've got Matthew Stafford at 14. I've got Jalen Hurts at 13. I did move Carson Wentz back up to 12 here. So mm. he's sitting in this range. And then Ryan Tannehill at 11. And then Aaron Rodgers at 10. So one of the names that you had in there, I've got him just outside is Tua Tungavailoa. Let's take a little bit of time here and let's talk about Tua because this is an interesting case study, right? Comes into the NFL and was one of those players at Alabama that had the situation was perfect around him. You're looking at the wide receiver room now, knowing what we know now, right? The wide receiver room that he was throwing to of Jerry Judy, Henry Bruggs, uh, uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, like good night, you know, and then Najee yeah. Harris out of the backfield, like everything was perfect for him. And now he steps into Miami where the playmakers are, the playmakers around him were not there. Mike Kosicki still developing. I mean, Preston Williams and, uh, Devonte Parker, they're more of like contested catch players, which Tua really didn't have to throw into tight windows at Alabama because everyone was freaking open. So Tua, the situation, it looks like Miami is committed to building around him. And if that's the case, I think they're going to do everything in their power to surround him with playmakers in this upcoming draft. I did a, uh, a release, my mock draft 3.0, which you can find on fantasypros.com. released that earlier today. 
and I had Miami taking Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle in the first round with the, a trade down situation. So I think at that point, just do what works and surround him with those playmakers that can, you know, make life easy on him. So if Tua gets those playmakers, I think that he absolutely could ascend into the top 10. But what's the argument against Tua, right? As we sit here, we've got him kind of low comparative to where people, the expectations were for him coming out of Alabama as we're sitting there at, where did you have him, 14 or 15? Yeah, I have, yeah 14th, 14th. Yeah, overall. 14 and 16. So let's take a look at the other side of Tua and what are some of the negatives or what could go wrong with him uh, as we move forward in Dynasty? Well, the first thing that that really was concerning for me, and I know it's it's the off season, it's the it's it's a lull in in content, it's a lull in news, but the fact that there were there were a lot of reports about Miami potentially not being sold on him as the quarterback of the future, right? There's a lot of smoke around. There was even talk about them potentially taking another quarterback, trading to a to right. the Texans. It's it's sort well, of well, I mean, like, even I I really uh, like even with them benching him for Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick towards the end of the year. And and my thing was, I, I said from day one that I, I just wish he didn't play at all this year because I, I talked to a lot of guys who are in the medical field, the physical therapy world. I don't know how comfortable or healthy he was after an injury that we've rarely seen players come back from, but let yeah. alone quarterbacks, right? So when you have a an offense that is devoid pass-catching weapons, when you have a quarterback coming off such a devastating collegiate injury, and then he's in the lineup, he's out of the lineup, he's in the lineup, he's out of the lineup. And it's weird. It was like Brian Flores was saying, we thought, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick would close the game better. Like, this isn't baseball. You don't bring right. in a, a closer in the fourth. <clears throat> so while I agree that there there is upside, there is talent, and if they do bring in a Jalen Waddle, a Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris, that absolutely helps Tua. But I just I need to see it again before I can push him into a top twelve, a top thirteen. It's just he's right on the cusp for me. I think he does have the talent, but I just I'm still a little skeptical on him. Yeah, and I I mean all the things that I mentioned as I was talking through Tua and his profile, I didn't even mention the medical issues, right? The concern. And so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's crazy to think that seems like it was so long ago that we yeah. were even having the conversation just to even enter the NFL draft, right? That seems like an eternity ago with everything else that has happened in the world since then. So uh, <laughs> there's a guy that I've got right at 15. I think you had him a little bit above. That's Baker Mayfield. Now, people are going to be listening and they're saying like, Baker Mayfield, I don't want Baker in Dynasty, at least not as my QB1. Well, we don't have him ranked as a QB1. We both have him outside the top 12. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But with Baker... Let's talk about him and his situation and why we are both optimistic, at least enough, to put him here within our top 15. Well, yeah, and actually, I know I'm that guy. I do have him at quarterback 12. I have him there right there, there at QB okay. 12, but it, I struggled with it. I struggled between him, Stafford. I wanted Wentz in there. But here's why I'm still very bullish on Baker Mayfield. First three years of his career, three different offensive coordinators, three different head coaches. It was just a mess, right? Finally, some some stability with Kevin Stefanski. They've got one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. They have a fantastic running game. And while I do not believe he has this incredibly high ceiling, like we're never going to see Baker Mayfield finish as a top five quarterback, we did see him take strides forward, throwing the ball, pushing it downfield towards the end of the season. And again, with with such a, a, a strong running game, a solid offensive line, one of the best rookie offensive linemen in the NFL, if they get him another pass-catching weapon two years in the same system, that should only bode well for Baker. And I think he's a very safe quarterback with some upside, right? He's not just floor, floor, floor. I do believe Baker Mayfield can go out there and give you quarterback one weeks. We've seen that happen. And I just, I, I truly, I know I'm one of those guys that's out on a limb, but I, I am a little more bullish on Baker Mayfield, the arm talent, the situation. This is not the Cleveland Browns of the past. So I want Baker. I like Baker there. And here's the thing. I have him as a top 12 quarterback, but nine times out of 10, you don't have to pay top 12 prices in right, order to get him. Right. Yeah. The, the argument against Baker being a top 12 or top 10 dynasty quarterback, however we want to classify it, is that well, what are the overall pass attempts, right? Like it's the the conversation of the scheme and how committed they are to the run game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and what's Baker going to top 30 pass attempts, you know, how many times a season? Like that's the argument against him. But yet 
the upside is you talked about adding a pat dude they have Odell Beckham Jr still on this roster you know yeah. like that's that even catches me by surprise because Baker started to click with this offense you started to see the scheme work for him towards the end of the season as they moved along and he was doing that without Odell Beckham on the field now if they get OBJ back on the field and he you know they they're committed to let's not force him the ball let's let him be a part of the offense operate within the scheme OBJ has the talent to absolutely take Baker within the top 10 of dynasty, right? Because at that point he's letting his playmakers work for him. So I think, yeah, the, there are some pros and cons to Baker, right? We can talk about the overall pass attempts and just the perception of him, but yet with Kevin Stefanski now in town and this offense was clicking towards the end of last year, the future is bright for Baker Mayfield. Before we keep moving with today's episode, I want to take a second to tell you about reality sports online. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated, though? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see... Use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Let's take a look here at uh, who did you have sitting there? Who haven't we talked about that you wanted to mention here? Matthew yeah. Stafford. Should we talk about Stafford? Well, I really want because I struggled because I had Carson Wentz and I moved him around. I just, I just want your quick takes on Wentz cracking your top 15 quarterbacks. Yeah, so... I had Wentz and Hertz. I had them kind of just in no man's land, right? As we were moving throughout this this offseason and the reports of, well, Wentz wants to be traded and Hertz and all this and this and this, right? And I just had them kind of at a standstill because I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who is going to be even the starter if Wentz doesn't get traded. Well, now we have that clarity. We know that Carson Wentz landed back with Frank Reich and he has a talented offensive line. We can't talk enough about the rotation of offensive linemen that Carson Wentz had last year. I mean, I don't have the exact number, but it's astronomical. The amount yeah. of like different different players and uh, and lineups that he had in front of him, right? So with Carson Wentz now, with one of the most talented offensive linemen, they, or lines, they still have pick number 21 overall in the NFL draft where they could easily add an offensive tackle there to take over for Anthony Costanzo. And then the playmakers around him, Michael Pittman Jr., I'm a big fan, you know, Paris Campbell coming back from injury. If they retain T.Y. Hilton or if they add someone else in the second round or third round of the NFL draft, the situation is so much better here in Indianapolis for Carson Wentz than it was in Philadelphia with very little playmakers around him. Zach Ertz fell off a cliff last year, right? So his security blanket, right? You need that security blanket for Wentz over the field. There are still some issues. Absolutely. There are still things that he is going to have to work through. Ranking him this high is a gamble. I get it. But yet I want to kind of land in the middle because two years ago, where did we have Carson Wentz in dynasty rankings? Top Mm -hmm. five. Like he was in that conversation because the future was looking really, really bright if he could stay healthy, right? So I think now... I want to kind of land in the middle because people were completely out on Carson Wentz with him yeah. getting benched towards the end of last year, Jalen Hurts stepping in. Now I want to land a little bit in the middle and I'm optimistic, cautiously okay. optimistic. Okay. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. And you know, we, we've already kind of discussed both of our loves of Matthew Stafford. So I don't think we really need to dive into it. And Yates, I already screwed up the exercise because we were, I was supposed to stop at 11 and I start, I stopped at 10. So let's move on through uh, for our players ranked 10 through six and I'll go ahead and start it off again. Okay. So go for at, it. You know, it's funny though, cause I did the exact same thing. So <laughs> you could have just let that slide that no one would have known. No one would have known, but let's go, let's go through. Well, nine I want to do, do this in the blocks. I, I, we need to do this right. So we're going to go 10 because we didn't talk about it, but at 10, I have Aaron Rodgers at nine, Russell Wilson, eight, Joe Burrow, seven, Lamar Jackson and six, Dak Prescott. All right. So we started off the same. I got Aaron Rodgers at 10, 
nine, Russell Wilson. Eight, I have Justin Herbert. Seven, mm. Lamar Jackson. And then six, Joe Burrow. So let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Let's just work our way down because we got a similar order yeah. here. So Russell Wilson, or Aaron Rodgers, excuse me. Let's talk about him. So Rodgers, MVP, performing at just a ridiculously high level in this offense. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's probably the greatest passing quarterback of all time. Tom Brady holds the greatest quarterback of all time, like title in my opinion, just because of everything that that position encompasses. But as far as like the overall passer, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. So, but he's coming up towards the end of his career. So we have to take that into consideration as we're looking at dynasty, looking and forecasting forward. Aaron Rodgers, while he's still playing in Green Bay, while he's still got Devontae Adams, he's going to be a top five quarterback, in my opinion. But yet, we have to take a look at the other side. What are the arguments against Aaron Rodgers? And is ranking him here at 10 fair? It's This is honestly, of all the rankings, I know there were some tough calls, but this one, this one for me was like pretty easy. And it's not because Aaron Rodgers is bad. He's great. He's the reigning MVP of the NFL, but he's 37 years old. And I don't believe he's one of those players like Tom Brady who's going to play until he's 43 years old. There's already been reported rumors about, you know, him potentially not being in Green Bay, whether it was this year or this is his last season upcoming. It's just, it's one of those things where I just can't, you have to know in Dynasty, if you draft Aaron Rodgers at his right now, where he's going in startup drafts with his ADP, you've got to be prepared for him to not be on your roster in two years. And I personally just do not like the Dynasty that way. I like security at the quarterback position. I don't want to have to worry about that position year after year. So it has nothing to do with his talent. He's still one of the best, if not the best passer outside of Patrick Mahomes in the NFL He's got the best wide receiver in the NFL. It's just, honestly, it comes down to age and how long is he going to be in Green Bay? And if he's not in Green Bay, where is he at? And I just don't want to bank on that. Yeah, and I think a strategy that you can typically see with Superflex formats particularly is where, you know, you grab one of these top-tier quarterbacks, in the, whether in the first round or the second round of your startup draft, you're walking away with, a Deshaun Watson, a Kyler Murray, a, you know, Patrick Mahomes, whatever. And then you wait a little bit, right? You wait a couple rounds, you soak up some value at running back or wide receiver, and then you grab another quarterback later on, right? But I think if you were going to draft Aaron Rodgers in a startup super flex, I think that then immediately you need to turn around with your next pick and grab another quarterback, right? Yeah. Because letting that go at that same like distance or gap be at the top, with Aaron Rodgers, like I'm turning right back around it. I'm grabbing my number 11 at Ryan Tannehill, right? Like as far as ADP, whatever that may be, I'm turning right back around and I'm grabbing another another quarterback in that next round because I know that I have to prepare that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in my roster, like you said, in two years, all right? And uh, the older that he gets, the more that we see Green Bay start to, you know, turn the page to Jordan Love, and that's a whole other conversation. But the more that we see that happen, then the writing's on the wall that Aaron Rodgers is probably coming up towards the end of his career and you need to be prepared for it. So yeah, I think at 10, that's ranking, ranking him there is fine. I could make the case that he be, is a little bit lower, but I don't know if I could put him above the other guys that we've talked about here of like a Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, players like that. So let's talk about Russ started off the season at an insane rate, right? Like he looked yeah. like the MVP, like sure fire, like at week four, it was like, let's just call it in. It's Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then the offense fell off of, cliff like that it was just <laughs> terrible towards the end of the year so there are going to be people who are split on russell wilson and his outlook in dynasty moving forward you've got pete carroll who is you know doubled down on his commitment to the run this offseason saying that they want to get back to that you know and and taking the pressure off of russ it's no longer or it could be no longer let russ cook right so what's the argument against russell wilson we know what he can be we know what he can he can do when he's got full command of this offense and everything's clicking. But at the same time, what is the argument against Russell Wilson? And again, Alaska is ranking him here at nine fair. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's almost the same. And I know this is going to sound crazy because he's a better player. He's got more upside, but it's almost the same argument that we made with Baker Mayfield. Is he going to throw the ball enough? And I believe, and I don't have the, the stats in front of me, but I, I don't, I don't think he throws a lot of pass attempts. Like he's not out there slinging it around 600 times a season, you know, a la Patrick Mahomes and company. And it is Pete Carroll, the commitment to the run in Seattle. 
Um, I just think it limits his upside. And, and, and once he stops cooking, once Russ is now elite game manager, right? And I know people don't want to hear right. that, and that sounds bad, but he's not slinging it around 45 times a game. So it's, I think this is appropriate. And, you know, I know it seems like Russ has been in the league for a while. He's going in his age 32, 33 season. So, again, dynasty age matters. Yes, Russell Wilson is a locked and loaded QB1. Yes, he could potentially finish the season as the QB1, but the probability of him doing that, just we have not seen that consistently throughout a full 16-game season, fantasy season. So, therefore, I, I just can't have him ranked higher than some of these other guys, and I think this is a, this is appropriate for Russell Wilson. And, you know, honestly, that's a good value. You know, if you're getting Russell Wilson as quarterback 9, quarterback 10 off of the board, you'd probably be very, very happy, especially if you passed on quarterback with your first pick. Yeah, completely. And another side of this that I, you know, was thinking as you were talking is that Russ is making some waves in the media, right? He's talking about, well, I don't know, or that that decision isn't up to me. It's up to the Seahawks as far as if I'm going to be traded or if I'm going to be in like that. He's making some waves there. Now, Seattle has doubled down saying that, you know, no, Russ isn't going anywhere. He's not getting traded. He's our quarterback. So but yet there's at least something there where if Russell Wilson pulls a Deshaun Watson on a much smaller scale and for much different reasons, right? But if he pulls that type of move and he wants out of Seattle, we could be talking about him in a different light because same age as Matthew Stafford off the top of my head. We've got Stafford at 14, at least in my rankings. I've got him at 14. I know you had him in that same block. And if Russell Wilson ends up in a different offense, one that's, you know, let's talk about San Francisco. If he ends up in, you know, Kyle Shanahan scheme or whatever, we're going to have a very different view of Russell Wilson and he could even rise higher. But it's just a little footnote. Don't go making any trades or anything like that based off of that, uh, that little news. Again, Seattle has doubled down saying that he is their quarterback. So uh, a guy that you had in this range that we both had here, I think we both had him at the same. That's Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson at seven for me. He was at seven for you, right? That's correct. I have him at seven. Yeah. So Lamar Jackson, this is a fall from where he was last year. I think I had him at one or two in my quarterback yeah. rankings. I mean, in super flex leagues and startups, it was Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes going off the board at 101 and 102. Talk about Lamar and why he experienced a fall relative to where he was being drafted last year. Listen, there's nothing. It just comes down to passing, man. It comes down to the upside that he gives you throwing the ball the 2018 season was ridiculous, and we knew that he was not going to be able to continue that level of passer efficiency. And I think, you know, I think he's somewhere in between the 2018 season or his MVP season and this past season. Uh, it, 2018, I believe, was his rookie year, or second year, or whatever. But you guys know his MVP season. I think he's somewhere in between that one and what we just saw. And it's just the upside of him throwing the ball. Yes, you're getting essentially an RB1 on the ground, but... When it's time to throw the ball, it, I just don't trust it. And part of that is the Baltimore Ravens organization not surrounding Lamar Jackson with competent pass catchers. Right. And another part of that is just he is he he while he has progressed in the passing department, are the Ravens ever going to trust Lamar Jackson to throw the ball 35, 36, 37 times a game? And if they do, how consistent, how accurate, you know, can he be? And I just I, I don't buy it. This is this is a huge fall for a player who's supremely talented, and as long as he's playing quarterback in the NFL, I think he's going to be a quarterback one because of that rushing floor. But right. I just want some more consistency through the air, and I don't think we're going to get that from Lamar. So let's I, – I've got him at the same spot for the same reasons that you mentioned, right? It's the passing concerns, and how does that translate, right? But let's talk about what happens if Baltimore this offseason surrounds – Lamar Jackson with, let's say they sign a Corey Davis in free agency. Let's say that they add a, you know, tight end two in the draft, one that can complement Mark Andrews, right? Because that was something that was missing from their offense with Hayden Hurst being traded away. They needed that second tight end with how many, you know, 11 or uh, I'm sorry, 13 or 12 personnel that they run. So let's say that let's just play it forward. At that point, do you have more optimism for Lamar Jackson? Is it Does it all come down to the pass catchers is what I'm asking? Does it all come down to that? And if he gets those, does it move him up your rankings? Or are you going to be kind of just waiting to see what does he do from a throwing perspective, a pure passing perspective? Nope, won't, won't move him up. It, it will help, and I will be more confident that he may take that step forward. 
but I'm going to wait and see. I, I'm still going to wait and see if he can actually hit the pass catchers. Like, and I'm, uh, that's just what it is. I just have to see him do that consistently, and we've yet to see that. Outside of him targeting Mark Andrews, we, we haven't seen it. So uh, if they draft a Rashad Bateman and sign a Corey Davis, that will bode well and that will help. Maybe I'd give him – honestly, based on my rankings, I don't think I'd give him a nudge at all. Yates, I don't think I move him up at all. I just want to wait and see. And if he turns it around, bravo. You know, he'll 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 increase yep. his ranking. But I got to see it happen. And, and so far, it has not happened. So I, I need consistency. I'm taking the same approach because I'm looking at the guys that I've got above on my list. And I'm like, I don't know if I could because these other guys are, are rock solid options. I would have to bump one of them down. And I just don't know if I can do that. So let's talk about a guy that we both had at six, though. That's Joe Burrow. Burrow showed out his uh his rookie season you know the parts that he was on the field obviously had the injury and now that's a he's working his way back from that and sounds like everything's progressing well and he could even be ready for the start of the 2021 season but uh he lived up to the hype man I mean he was coming in as in in the conversation of the greatest college football quarterback prospect that we've seen I mean he put up the greatest college season from a quarterback that that we've ever seen before so he steps into Cincinnati He's got T. Higgins. He's got Tyler Boyd. He's got the the pass catcher. He's got Joe Mixon out of the backfield. Like everything was looking great. And then the offensive line let him down. Now, long term, I'm all in on Joe Burrow. I was all in to begin with. That nothing that I saw from this past season is going to make me jump off of that. So long term, let's talk about Joe Burrow and why he's sitting here at six, which is a very, very we talked about him as kind of the teaser and the segue into this segment. That's a really generous ranking for a rookie quarterback who played, what, 12, 11, 10 games? Uh, look, I drafted him 10th overall in our startup. I, I, I'm right. a big believer in Joe Burrow, and the only, the only reason I have him ranked at 8 is because I just want to see him come back from that injury, and I want to see Cincinnati take care of him. And by take care of him, I mean get offensive line protection. They need to yeah. sign as many offensive linemen as possible. They need to draft Penny Sewell if they have an opportunity to do so. Protect your franchise quarterback. What's crazy is, Yates, Joe Burrow is going to be 25 years old in December in his second yeah. season, right? And there is a possibility, a possibility that we don't even see him play this year. And for me, I, I don't think that would be, if if his knee is as destroyed as everybody said it is, I don't even think that'd be the worst thing. I would hate it because I think he's such a fun, talented player. But if you're telling me Burrow sits out this year and he comes back the 2022 season 100% healthy and confident with an improved offensive line, I'd be just fine with that. I, listen, I, I think his, he's got top five potential. I, I think we're looking at a potential top yep. five quarterback. The only reason I have him at eight is because of the injury. And had he not injured his knee, I'd probably have him ranked ahead of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, it, that's something. If I get news that he you know, is not going to start the 2021 season, he's going to start on the pup or whatever, or on IR, whatever, it, then he will take a one hit, two hit right down my ranking. He'll fall just a little bit. But yet, as of right now, sounding like he could be ready. So I'm going to okay. keep him there at six. I'm going to keep him there. I'm going to hold tight. Uh, let's go down through our rankings up to this point before we move into the final block. So let's go with you, work your way down from 15 to 6. Yeah, at 15, Ryan Tannehill, 14, Tua Tungavailoa, 13, Matt Stafford, 12, Baker Mayfield, 11, Jalen Hurts, at 10, Aaron Rodgers, 9, Russell Wilson, 8, Joe Burrow, 7, Lamar Jackson, and 6, Dakota Rain Prescott. Okay, and then I've got Baker Mayfield at 15, Matthew Stafford at 14, Jalen Hurts at 13, Carson Wentz at 12, Ryan Tannehill at 11, Aaron Rodgers 10, Russell Wilson 9, Justin Herbert at 8, Lamar Jackson at 7, Joe Burrow at 6, and then let's move our way into the top five. Work your way down from five to one, brother. All right, at five, I have Justin Herbert, quarterback. Los Angeles Chargers. I just like saying Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers. L.A., I'm a West Coast guy. I got Justin Herbert at five. I have Kyler Murray at four, Josh Allen at three, Deshaun Watson at two. And I don't think there's any surprise who's number one. It's Patty Mahomes. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, there were going to be some consensus guys here in the top five. I've got Dak Prescott at five. I've got Deshaun Watson at four, Kyler Murray at three, Josh Allen at two, and Patrick Mahomes at one. So let's talk about Justin Herbert. You've got him up at, you said five? Five. I got Herbert at five. 
All right, perfect. I've got him at eight. Now, the difference, I'll say this, the difference in my rankings between five and eight is not drastic, right? It's a small gap. So let's talk about this, though. Justin Herbert from, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to Oregon, man. Like him coming out, it it wasn't great. Like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't have him ranked very highly. I had clearly Joe Burrow at one, Tua right behind him. Then I had, actually, I think I talked about this on a previous episode. I had Jake Fromm at three, then Justin Herbert at four, because the 2018 tape for Justin Herbert was actually pretty good. 2019, not so much. So him coming into the NFL, landing in Los Angeles, and I mean, he steps in. Can we even talk about him stepping (laughs) in? Like I was listening to Hunter Henry talk the other day and he was like, we didn't even know that Justin, we like, he ran into the huddle because that was the situation where Tyrod had his lung punctured. Yeah. Justin Herbert runs into the huddle and Hunter was like, what are you doing here? Like he legitimately asked that question. I like that for the first snap of that game. And so Justin Herbert gets thrown into the fire and he delivers, he comes out. And I mean, the stretch that he went on and just set the league on fire. So Herbert, I am very, very optimistic for him moving forward. But yet at the same time, I'm also kind of wanting to like pump the brakes because I still have this larger sample size hanging over my head and in my mind of like, okay, but he didn't look that great in college. What happened? What changed? Is he going to come back down to earth a little bit? What's this all going to look like? So are you just all in on Justin Herbert? You think that he is the real deal? He's going to be a top tier quarterback long term. Where are you at with Justin Herbert? I, I do. I'm all in. He's got all the physical tools. Like you said, the 2018 tape at Oregon was phenomenal. And there were talks that if he had come out in 2018, he was going to be one of the top draft picks that year. And a lot of people thought he was going right. to come out. He returns for a senior year. He wanted to play with his brother, who's a tight end at Oregon. And it just didn't go well for him in the season in totality. But there were still some really good moments. Here's the thing for me. I'm looking at the tools and what he can do well. At six foot six, at his size, he's very athletic and mobile. And I don't even think we really saw him really scratch the potential of what he can do on the ground because he was just tearing teams up from the pocket. With, you know, with improved pass catching weapons, I'm hopeful that they add another pass catching weapon outside of Keenan Allen. Mike Williams may not be back. Jalen Guyton and Tyrion Johnson are not, Tyron Johnson aren't legitimate pass catchers. Like, I just think that the the ceiling is extremely high and the arrow was pointed up for Herbert. You know, I do want to see him do it again, right? I can't be all in and have him, you know, quarterback two, quarterback three right now. But a young quarterback that has just a bazooka attached to his arm, uh, I saw enough out of him this 2020 season without a traditional training camp, without rookie minicamp, without OTAs. Right, yeah, we didn't to, even talk about that. Yeah, to just to, to do what he did. I don't think people understand how ridiculous that season was. And it was just special because Burrow was on that same trajectory, but we did see Herbert do it healthily throughout the whole season. So uh, I'm comfortable with him at five. The interesting part for me heading into next season too is the head coaching change, right? We've got uh, Brandon Staley stepping in, the former defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. He stays in the uh, same stadium, just becomes the head coach for the other team. So what does that do for the overall offensive philosophy? If memory serves correctly, I can look this up, or maybe you can while I'm talking. Shane Steichen is the offensive coordinator or was last year. I think he was retained in that coaching change. So I think the offense is probably going to stay the same, but do we see the overall philosophy change? Does Brandon Staley, as a defensive-minded coach, does he step in and say, okay, we're going to commit to the run game. We're going to add a, you know, we're going to invest significant draft capital in a Javante Williams at the top of the second round or whatever, right? Like to invest in that running back to make sure that we take away some of the pressure off of Justin Herbert and we commit to the ground game so that we can lean on our defense. Like all this, does that play into the overall outlook for Justin Herbert at this point, I don't have that clarity. So right. I wanted to kind of re- remain a little bit, you know, I've used cautiously optimistic. Right. So I think, but again, I mentioned it, the difference between five and eight in my rankings here at this point, if I've got you in my top 10, it means I'm pretty optimistic yeah. on you. I think that you're pretty solid uh, and have a very good chance of being a top tier contributor for many years down the road. Well, and I, th- I think you make valid points and Steichen is leaving. So, you know, uh, the, the coaching change is always, it's always scary, right? But you would like to think 
that these are supposed to be the best and brightest minds in football in the entire world. And they will see that they have the offensive rookie of the year on their team and allow him to do what he does well, which is throw the ball downfield. And, you know, as, as we look at these, like you said, if you're inside the top 10, you're a stud. What I'm really excited about is you have my man, Dak Prescott, ranked really, really high. And I, I want you to really dive into Dak and, and why you have him ranked where you do. Yeah, for sure. So doubling back to Justin Herbert really quick, you did mention Shane Steichen did leave. He is now the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia alongside Nick Sirianni there. And then Joe Lombardi is now the offensive coordinator in Los Angeles. So we could see a shift in offensive philosophy. Going back to Dak, I don't think that the injury should play any factor here uh, that I mean, I can as soon as I said the injury, I could have I had the mental image right of him yeah. just holding his ankle and it point. You know, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, I don't think that that should play any sort of role in my ranking of him uh, when he is healthy, when he is on the field with the pass catching core that he has around him, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz. We talked about that on a previous episode, like. Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield, uh, Tony Pollard, like the cast, the supporting cast around him is enough for him to just play out of his mind, right? Just play extremely solid football. So I think moving forward, I'm very optimistic on Dak. Still very young. You talked about Burrow at 25. He's going to be 25. Dak's only 27. So Mm. the difference in age here is not crazy. I think that Dak long-term, I'm still, I'm still all in with him. Love him. I mean, down here, living down here in Dallas, he's he's the heart and soul of Dallas. Uh, I, I do think they get something done, and that's the only reason I have him outside of my top five is just that's the fair. uncertainty. You know, if, if that goes to the Denver Broncos, I just – maybe that's good. But I, I just think that where he's at, what he's able to do on the ground, through the air, the pass-catching weapons that Dallas has – I'm with you. I'm not concerned about the ankle injury. All kinds of medical people that I've, I've I've read or seen things, they're like, broke his leg, he'll be fine for training camp, he'll be ready for the season. So that does not play a factor into to my ranking of Dak Prescott. But he's just he's a phenomenal quarterback, and he, he's got a rushing floor for you. He's got a rushing touchdown floor. And then yeah. to start, the, do you remember the tear that Dak he was, was on, on to start? I mean, it was 400-yard game after 400-yard game. I mean, he was yep. getting you 50, 45 points a game. It was insane what he was doing. So if you just, you know, I know we can't duplicate production one for one, but if he's anywhere near that player or better, I think five and six may be too low for Dak Prescott. Yeah, and I think uh, there are going to be people in startup drafts that are going to be kind of scared off of the injury and at that point if you can get Dak at even more of a discount then yeah absolutely sign me up uh let's take a look here at uh, Deshaun Watson now obviously this is a whole situation and you know mm-hmm. who knows what the heck's going to happen here uh if Deshaun Watson if we get to the point where he let's just play it forward uh if Deshaun Watson holds out this season which is a very realistic possibility if he holds out does he move down your rankings at all yeah, he would move down a little bit. He'd take a little bit of a tumble, um, but, you know, extremely young from the time that he took over as a rookie. I mean, he's just, he's efficient. He's dynamic. And, you know, if I asked you to name five Texans wide receivers, it'd probably be a struggle to get there. And he still led the league in passing yards, which just blows my mind how good Deshaun Watson was. And, you know, we talk about, you know, him potentially holding out. Yates, I ask you, if he goes to Carolina or potentially the Bears, I mean, what does that do for his stock in your opinion? Yeah, I think, well, those are two very different scenarios. So I think if he goes <laughs> if he goes to Carolina, then that's something where the supporting cast around him, you, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, uh, well, Curtis Samuel might not be back, Robbie Anderson, I mean, if they add a tight end, like at that point, I think it's a very different situation. You're, uh, Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator. I would love that. I think that he would maybe even bump up over Kyler Murray in my rankings. Uh, as far as going to Chicago, that's a different <laughs> scenario because who is going to be catching the ball from him, right? Like the, the pass catchers there are a bit of a question mark with Allen Robinson potentially barreling towards free agency. So yeah, I think, I think that he would fall a little bit if he does end up in Chicago, which does not seem like a realistic possibility. They, yeah. I don't think that they would even have any sort of the package that they would have to uh, send away to get him. But then, 
if he does end up in Carolina, I think that bodes well for his fantasy stock. Now, I asked you the question about him holding out because for me, I don't know if it would. I don't know if he would bump down my rankings. It depends on the overall situation and reading the tea leaves and, you know, just, okay, what does that mean long term when we get to that point? Like, but based on my understanding of the situation, he would still have to report by week 10 to be able to count that season. So, right. you know, it would just be kind of like we would view him. Okay. He's out for the first 10 weeks of the season. He landed on IR or whatever, right? Like at that point it's, it's dynasty, man. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. move a franchise quarterback, a guy who has played at the level that Deshaun Watson has because he landed on IR, right? Like yeah. that, that's the way that we, I think I would approach it. Um, but I think if he, if this situation does fester to the point where he just says, okay, well, I'm really, I'm not even going to report this season and it's about the principal and I don't care how much money you find. Then that of course would alter, but knowing what I know that at least he has to report by week 10 to count that season, then that would be something. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead. Now I was going to say, yeah, man, I mean, I've got him at two, so I'm extremely high on him. I just, uh, these two through five for me, it's just so, it's so tight. It's so tight. And, you know, at two, if he were to hold out, I would have no problem bumping my number three guy up over him, but he's still going to be a top five quarterback for me yeah. overall. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, let's take a look at Kyler Murray here. Kyler, obviously with, I think the majority of his fantasy stock doesn't come through mainly his passing volume, right? Uh, you know, he is in a very pass happy offense. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, which of course is great. It's his rushing ability. It's his ability to scramble and pick up 30 yards on the ground because he's just a jitterbug out on the field, you know, moving yeah. at a different speed than everyone else. So especially around the goal line, he was, he was utilized heavily in that fashion uh, even last year. But then we saw him get banged up, right? It was that shoulder injury, but yet we didn't know what exactly was going on. And that affected him around the goal line. They weren't utilizing him as that goal line running back. Uh, if you will. But then towards the end of the season, we started to see that change and Kenyon Drake's stock took a, took a dip, right? So mm -hmm. moving forward into next year, I don't want to bump Kyler so far down and that we forget about what he has done as a runner and how valuable that is for fantasy, especially when he does have Kyler's a great passer, right? Like it's yeah. a different scenario from a Lamar Jackson where you have questions about his overall passing technique and, you know, his refinement in that area. No, Kyler's got a cannon of an arm. He's accurate downfield. You know, there's some issues here or there, of course, but yet it's enough for me to keep him securely here in my top three, right? Like I'm very optimistic for him long-term, still very young. Only this is his third season now, heading into his third season. So Kyler long-term, I'm a big fan of. I think that you can still build your dynasty team, your super flex team around him. But uh, I know that you had him in your top five too. Where did he land exactly? Yeah, I have him at four. I have him overall okay. at four. Yeah, in the East. Yeah. He's great. He's fantastic. 26 touchdowns through the air, 11 on the ground. He was, you know, over 800 rushing yards. I mean, that's a, on 133 attempts. So like you said, he's ripping off like 30 yard runs, you know, 20 yard runs, juking people out. The only reason I have met four, and it sounds crazy, it's just, it, it's the size, right? It's, it's, yeah. We normally we see Kyler Murray get down and not get hit. He is very good at avoiding the big hit. But this season, we did see him tagged a couple of times. And when he gets hit, he's five foot 10, 200 pounds. Right. And the guys that I if have that, ranked if, if that, if that, and the guys that I have ranked above him, you know, 6'5, 6'3, 220, 218, they're just, they're sturdier players. So I just, long term sustainability is the only reason I have him at four. But who's four is great. I mean, I would build, right. I would be happy to draft Kyler Murray as my QB1 any day of the week. And he's 23 years old, 23 right. years old. Yeah. Splitting hairs with the top guys here. So, uh, Josh Allen, let's talk about him. I mean, coming out of, well, not coming out of nowhere, but as far as the season that he had this last year, greatly exceeded expectations, set the league on fire, was performing at an MVP level. Uh, what he brings you as far as a passer now with Stefan Diggs in town. And then also, with his rushing floor, the rushing touchdown upside, I mean, it's just crazy what he's able to do. So I've got him at two uh, long term. I think you can. That's another one of those guys that you can absolutely build your dynasty team around. You were getting him as your QB two in some spots in Superflex startups last year. 
There were people who wouldn't touch Josh Allen with a 10-foot pole, and yep. now they're looking pretty uh, yep. pretty foolish because of what he has turned into. So Josh Allen, long-term, I'm a big fan of. Are there really are there really any negatives with Josh Allen? Like, is there anything that we can point to and say, like, this is his path that he doesn't sustain this value long-term? No, no, I, I, I see no negatives. I, I couldn't, I couldn't come up. I couldn't no. come up with one. No, I, I, I'm, I'm being serious. I, there are no negatives. I mean, he's everything you said. And then he's six foot five, 240 pounds. And he, you know, it's amazing how a quarterback, gets better when you give him an elite wide receiver to throw the ball to. I, I just <laughs> shocking. Yeah. Isn't that something just what an, what an amazing concept, get him a wide receiver and look how much better he, he, he got. Now, will he throw for 70% completion percentage again? Maybe not, but he he's, there are no negatives, none. He's amazing. He's fantastic. And I have him at quarterback three and easily. That's why I said, if Deshaun Watson said, I'm not going to play this season until, okay, Deshaun, you'll go down to QB three and I'll move Josh Allen to QB two. No issues. No slight to to Watson. I'm just looking for a reason to bump Josh Allen up. (laughs) If we talked about no negatives with Josh Allen, number one quarterback, no negatives, man. I don't, I really don't know if we need to sit here and dissect Patrick Mahomes from a dynasty perspective and what he brings <sighs> to the table, man. I mean, he's got the long-term contract. You know that he's going to be great for years and years and years. Play this forward five years from now. Is Patrick Mahomes probably still your number one dynasty quarterback? Like, what's the percentage chance of that happening? Uh, I, I think it's a very, very high probability that he's still the number one quarterback. And if somebody overtakes him at the one spot, they have to, it has to be multiple just ridiculous type seasons. Right. I, I just, yeah. the, the, the only, it's not even a negative. I just, I just wonder Yates after the chiefs tried to throw their way to a super bowl and it didn't happen. Right. Defense. I know the offensive line was banged up. I just wonder if they do a little more to protect Mahomes, maybe not throw it as much, you know, maybe they shave it, like run it a little bit more, incorporate the run a little bit more just to, and even if they do that, he's still going to throw for 4,500 yards a season. I just, I wonder if they're going to just try to protect him a little bit more. If if there's one negative that I would like Mahomes not to do, it's to take so many big hits. He gets, he gets rocked, man. He runs he around does. a lot and he gets rocked. He gets tackled awkwardly. I would just really like him to just get down and not get hit. Yeah, well, that's the conversation of Clyde Edward Tolaire. You know, it's like, okay, well, he's great. He's in a fantastic offense. Uh, are they going to give him the ball? You yeah. know, so I just don't, I don't know if that is really in Andy Reid's DNA as a play caller, right? To be able to turn away from Patrick Mahomes and what he brings to the table as a passer. To turn away from that, but I agree with you that that would be the only thing that I think would bump him down. But even at that point, he's still, I mean, he's going to come down from, you know, from the heavens to just still be at the number one spot, right? right? Like the, the, the gap there won't be enough to push him down past the number one. Uh, looking at the 2021 QB class, right? We know at this point, the guys who are in it, we, we know of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Uh, you got Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond later on, you know, Davis Mills out of Stanford. You got these guys in here, right? So looking at our top 15, we didn't do the rookies within here. We still need to know the landing spot to be able to to kind of definitively say, okay, yes, they could push or this is where they're going to land. But let's just play this forward. Let's play a little exercise here. Like Trevor Lawrence, let's look at him first. If he does end up in Jacksonville, which again, we talked about probability, right. that's 150% at this point. Yeah. He ends up there. Where does he land? With just gut feeling, where does he land in your QB rankings? He's he's top ten. I think he's top ten, or he's right there between Rodgers and Hurts for me at at QB eleven. Yeah, I don't want to go super crazy and say like you know I'm going to rank him above the Joe Burrows and the Dak Prescotts, right? right? Like where where he's a top five guy right out of the gate. I'm not going to go that far, but yeah, absolutely. Top 10, probably would put him just above Aaron Rodgers. Uh, okay. Honestly, that's my gut reaction. Probably just be in that range. Uh, let's look at Justin Fields. Now, Justin Fields, from what he brings as a passer, but then also as a mobile quarterback, we talk about this with Josh Allen and you know the other guys towards here, uh, towards the top of Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, what they bring as far as their rushing ability. Justin Fields is going to bring that same level. Yeah. So Fields, is he far off from Trevor Lawrence? Let's, I mean, again, 
gut feeling. We don't know his landing spot. This one's a little bit harder to predict. So gut feeling, where would he land for you? Gut feeling, just based off of what we talked about today, I'd take him over Jalen Hurts. So that would slot him right there at QB 11. He's inside my top 12. Yep, I think I would put him right above Jalen Hurts too. So probably at QB 12, uh, gut feeling there. Uh, Let's go with Zach Wilson. For me, Zach Wilson's going to be outside my top 15. Yep. I've got him a little bit lower uh, than these other guys. We talked about that. I know you're you're on the yep. same page there. So, uh, but again, would still be in that same range. I've got Tua at 16, and then I've got Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Tom Brady. Like the list gets pretty gross right after that. Yeah. So Zach Wilson would probably be in that Kirk Cousins territory right away with the potential that he does move up. But I got to he's one of those guys that I got to see how he translates yeah. to the NFL before I move him up. Yeah, same here, same here. And I'd actually have Trey Lance ahead of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I do too. I've got Trey Lance actually as my QB2 in this class. So Lance, he would land in that same territory. I would probably put him, uh, I mean, I've got him pretty neck and neck with uh, with Trevor Lawrence as far as my grading and just right. outlook, long-term outlook. So yeah, it would probably be in that 11, 10 range uh, for me, just behind Trevor Lawrence. Love it, love it. And And we're not leaving this until I make you talk about Mac Jones, who for me <laughs> would be in that Kirk Cousins territory. He'd be around Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, I, off off the top of my head around. He'd be a top 20 quarterback for me off the bat. Yeah, man, this is like landing spot for for Mac Jones matters so yeah. much, right? Yes. Like I'm not trying to cop out. I'm really not. But yet for him, it's going to matter so much where he lands and what offense he's a part of and who the playmakers around are around him. Like, this is kind of the same thing with Tua. Like, we're talking about Tua at 16 for me. Well, if he had the playmakers around him, he might be top 10. With Mac Jones, I just don't know. Is he got what's the NFL's view of him? Is he gonna be in the first round? Is he I mean, Mike Tannenbaum's coming out and talking about him. The floor is number eight overall. Like, I don't see that happening, but <laughs> At that point, if he does go in the top eight, in the top 10, then okay, I've got to acknowledge it. I've got to acknowledge that the NFL is high on him. The situation's great around him, this, this, this. Then at that point, absolutely, he lands in my top 15 probably. If he falls outside the first round, which is a yeah. very good possibility, then at that point, he's not probably not going to crack my top 20 because he might not even be the starter on his team. So really don't want to like cop out there, but this is one of the players where I got to know the landing spot before I definitively say this is where I land on Mac Jones. That's fair. That's fair. I think landing spot does matter uh, for Mac Jones and the situation that he falls into. Uh, I do believe he's going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, when that happens, if and when that happens, then I think well, a lot of people, and it's not just you, a lot of people will have to revisit that because he's going to get an opportunity to start if he's drafted that high and, you know, starting quarterbacks, oh, absolutely. you know, you, you need those guys, but I think that's fair right now. Yeah. And it's uh, with the other guys that the top four that we talked about, I don't have that concern. I know definitively that they're going in the top 10, right. And they're going to be starters sooner rather right. than later. If, unless one of them lands at Atlanta at number four, right. And sits behind Matt Ryan, then of course we'll adjust then. But again, this was just an exercise to say the gut feeling, what's mm-hmm. the overall view of these guys in the class, uh, and we'll do that again next year, right? At uh, this time next year, we'll talk about the Dynasty QB rankings and talk about the 2022 class to be able to give you kind of a, a glimpse at the overall strength of the class and how they would slide in with the current quarterbacks rankings in Dynasty. All right, that's going to be it for today. Again, a huge thank you to Reality Sports Online for sponsoring the show. Head over to realitysportsonline.com to learn more about their amazing platform. Uh, Ray, you know this, I talked about it earlier. I will be out on (laughs) vacation, brother, for the remainder of this week. So this will be the only episode. Once I get back, we will jump back into our normal routine of our two shows per week. And we will just continue to deliver the top-notch dynasty uh, content that you guys have been uh, coming to know. So thank you so much for everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. Again, those ratings and reviews continue to just skyrocket up. We're so appreciative. Ray, anything else that you want to add before we get out of here? Yates, you enjoy your vacation, brother. You deserve it. Thank you, man. I am so excited. <laughs> Except for the uh, waking up at 4 a.m. tomorrow and driving. That That's not going to be fun. But anyway, for Ray Garvin, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 